You're listening to Queer Money episode number 193. On today's Queer Money, we're talking about the financial challenges of being an out bisexual married to someone of the same sex while in the military. Mike Pullen, military vet and financial pro at the Financial Gym, shares his insights with us. We make the Queer Money podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group and we may answer them in an upcoming episode. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. The foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. A bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score powered by Experian Boost and watch your credit score improve by 5 to 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost. Now, on with the show. So Mike Pullen, welcome to Queer Money. We're excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So for our listeners, would you mind giving a little background of who you are and, and what's bringing you on to the show today? Um, yeah. So just a little bit about myself. Most recently just got out of the Marine Corps. I was active duty as a mechanic. Previously before that, I went to school for music at the University of Massachusetts. So I'm a musician, I'm a husband, um, and I'm a dog dad. Uh, so we <laughs> <laughs> we foster and rescue Boston Terriers down here in North Carolina. Um, and I live down here with my husband, Dan. Nice. Uh, That's awesome. Were you at Fort Bragg? Um, I was actually uh, Camp Lejeune. Oh, okay. so over oh, that's the, right. You're Marines. Yes. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, right. That was my next question. You, you just <laughs> you served my next question. So, uh, so we're going to go down. We're going to cover the angle of managing finances, being in the military, or being uh, being a military spouse. Uh, so that's kind of the angle we're going here today. So yeah, yeah, obviously David stole the thunder. You were in the the Marines. Yes, I was, um, and I'm actually. Um, so I got out of active duty, and now I'm actually in the Army Reserves. I'm part of the 380th Reserve Band out of Fort Eustis in Virginia. So I'm still serving just once a month on the weekends. Uh, nice. Well, thank you very much for all that. What motivated you to get into the military? So what's funny is I didn't enlist. Uh, I didn't go to boot camp until I was 27 years old, which some people thought I was absolutely crazy. But I was working at a credit union at the time, and I wasn't really doing what I wanted to be doing or what I thought I wanted to be doing. And I auditioned for the Marine Corps band and received a spot. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I went to boot camp, uh, did the whole uh, combat training, you know, all the training that I needed to do, and I passed. Um, so I just wanted to get back into music full time, and there's not a whole lot of gigs that you can do that and support yourself right now uh, in this economy. <laughs> so, and you know, health insurance and all that. But I actually ended up the way the Marine Corps does things is for the band specifically, they kind of over recruit. And when I was at the schoolhouse for my jobs, you 
kind of have all these auditions while you're there and they kind of whittle you down based off who they need for the the units. So I didn't end up making it through the schoolhouse, but I still had to finish my four-year contract for the Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up being a mechanic, got stationed down here in North Carolina. And actually, while I was at the schoolhouse for the band is when I met my husband. He lived in Virginia and we met through some friends and that's kind of how that started. So if I hadn't gone that route, I, I wouldn't have met my husband. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Uh, so I think it's interesting. You, you just dispelled, I think, one of the big myths that a lot of people have that individuals who are not put into a combat type position don't have to actually go through all the rough stuff, <laughs> uh, go through boot camp, be prepared to be able to fight. I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have that if you're not in a combat position, then you have an easy go of it, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You still have to do the same training up until you still do the 12 weeks for boot camp, the four weeks for combat training. And then yearly, you still have your, you have to qualify on the rifle and there's fitness standards. It's the same across the board. So regardless of your job, especially in the Marine Corps, you know, the philosophy is uh, everyone's a rifleman. So you learn your a specific specialty, your job, but you also still keep your skills up for the the war fighting as well. Nice. Gotcha. And so were you out as bisexual when you were in the Marines? Yeah. So, I mean, you guys know this, like it seems in the queer community, like you always continue to come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. I know personally you know, I don't advertise it. It is part of who I am, but I'm not, you know, that's not the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I, when I meet someone. Um, oh, and especially, <laughs> I am gay John. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's just when I meet people, I like to get to know them. And then usually it comes up at some point. And that's the really interesting thing about the military and the Marine Corps, uh, especially is very hyper masculine. Right. You have a lot of A-type personalities, alpha male. Mm -hmm. There's this conception that very homophobic, but a lot of people just don't, have never had exposure to diversity. And their first sort of taste of any sort of diversity is joining the military. And they get to know you in their training. Um, You know, I didn't really come out. Boot camp is kind of like a weird time because you don't really get to know people to the level that if you were just to start a new job with someone, um, cause you guys are kind of all going through this crazy, you know, almost haze fest. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't really have time or energy to like get to know people like super personally, but my boyfriend at the time came to graduation and boot camp graduation. It's this, you know, it's this big deal. And so I didn't hide who I was. I wasn't like, Hey everyone, like I'm also into guys and women. And what's funny is over my course of my four years, I found that a lot of people are very accepting. I, yeah, you know, people are always like, Oh, do you and your husband, like when you're out in town, is it weird if you're holding hands? Do you get weird looks? Do you think you've been like the victim of any like homophobia or biphobia? And I'm like, I honestly, like the Marine Corps military is such a microcosm of our culture today because there's so many walks of life in the military that it wasn't weird for a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure some people were uncomfortable, but they did a really good job of like not 
letting me know that. I think one of the funniest things was one of my superiors, uh, when I switched units, was asking me questions, and they see the ring on my hand. Uh, I usually wore like a, one of those silicone rings because mm-hmm. of the work that I was doing was pretty you know, hands-on. And they're like, oh, you're married. What does your wife do? Um, and I just correct them. You know, yeah. I'm just like, oh, well, my husband does this. Hmm. And my one superior thought I was like, you know, messing with him because <laughs> I kept saying it. And he was like, no, man, come on. Like, what does your wife do? I was like, no, like I'm legitimately married to a man. And he was like, oh, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's fine. It's actually really funny. But, it's, <laughs> um, you know, it's that thing where they just assume when they see a ring that yeah. you're married to a woman. And then it's a whole nother can of worms once I'm like, well, I'm also into women. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> so, Is that possible? Um, <laughs> right? What? That doesn't make any sense. That's not what I've been told. Um, <laughs> overall, I had a really positive experience in the Marine Corps. And I've actually met quite a few queer service members as well through my time. And I've just met some really great people. So. It sounds like an overall pretty positive experience then. Yeah, exactly. I think it uh, it, it holds up, it shows that there's a light of hope, uh, you know, for the rest of the country and some other parts of the, the country that are oftentimes uh, bastions of conservatism, but also at the same time have a lot of military. So maybe the, the individuals around the military can learn from the military. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I think I think a lot of homophobia uh, just comes from not knowing, you know, like Mm -hmm. not having that exposure. And that's I saw it happen in, you know, in real time while I was serving, you know, these people they've never met or they never knew that they met a gay or or bisexual queer person. Mm -hmm. And until they got to know them and realize, oh, they're just like me, they just like someone else. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I, you know, it. For the most part, and I'm not saying everything was, you know, 100% and, you know, roses, but um, I think majority of people aren't necessarily, you know, against it. They just don't understand it. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious what that experience is relative to your experience of being bisexual in the queer community. I think there's been a lot of hesitancy in our community, even in people that that we know, that typically perceive someone who says that they're bisexual is just not decided yet. Do you feel any of that in your experience? (laughs) In my personal experience, I have, you know, had conversations with people that gay men specifically sometimes are like, oh, well, you have to pick. And well, you're married to a dude. So, you know, you're gay. And it's like, well, no, I still find women attractive, even though, you know, I love my husband and I'm married to him. But that, you know, negating that is still who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I didn't come out until I was 23 after college. And when I started dating after coming out as bi, I found that straight women were very (laughs) not, they're very hesitant. You know, once I had, you know, match and plenty of fish and, you know, when, in your profile, if I didn't put that I was explicitly bisexual, like I'd have women start talking to me and then I, you know, would talk to them and then about who I am. And then it would just be like, they'd ghost me, even though I don't think ghosting was a thing back then. <laughs> uh, the term, the term didn't exist, but that's what no. happened, you know, right. um, and, and it got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to put it in my profile because I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time. Like if you don't want to know who I am, then it's, all of me, then it's, you know, not, this isn't going to work out. So yeah. 
Yeah. I think for both straight men and for straight women, there is a fear of not being able to quote unquote compete if another person is becomes into the picture, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So if a person of the opposite sex to them comes into the picture, they feel like it's uh, it's just territory where I have no way to say that I'm better than because I don't have the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's this weird flip, though, when it comes to straight men with bisexual women, because there's the whole like, oh, well, you know, there can be two women, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. There's this like weird, like different kind of standard right. when it comes to bisexual women as there is for bisexual men, um, because women don't always necessarily have that same type of like fantasy that a lot of straight men do. Surprise. Um <laughs> And what's funny is my husband always, because there were gay men that I dated that were kind of a little uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, that they were also competing against women. You know, I use that term in quotations, competing against women. <laughs> you can't see me, but I talk with my hands a lot. So I'm so <laughs> <laughs> um, but my husband actually was funny as he brought it up pretty early on in our dating adventure. He was like, you know, I actually find it really attractive that I beat out both men and women. <laughs> so, it's just um, a jungle out there. That's all yeah. it is. Really, kind of right? knew it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so this being a money show then, my next question is, are there any unique challenges with being an out bisexual man in the military? I guess maybe from a single man's perspective and then maybe from a, a married man's perspective? Yeah, I mean, when I was single, um, when I was living in the barracks for the first year, you know, before we decided to to get married, there wasn't a whole lot of differences in regards to, you know, I don't I don't get paid any different. I don't. So everyone gets treated the same regardless in the military. And I don't think my sexuality had anything to do with my finances at that point. The interesting thing, though, is when I got married, because Don't Ask, Don't Tell hasn't been revealed, you know, less than 10 years at this point. So there's still people that are serving that served under that. And, you know, when people are like, when they found out I got married, they're like, oh, so like, do you get the same benefits? Like, do you get the housing allowance? Do you get the... And I was like, yeah, like it's a marriage. And for some people that was like earth shattering. They're like, wait, like you get the same benefits as I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there there have been reports. I know that there tends to be, you know, gay, queer couples tend to maybe get less for housing or a higher interest rate when they go to apply for a mortgage or get denied. There's been stories and stuff about that. But I personally, we've been very fortunate that that hasn't been the case for us. And another interesting thing that we've kind of run into is because we we decided to keep our separate last names. We didn't feel like I didn't want to change all my uniform name tapes because <laughs> um, that costs money. That's a lot of money to do all that. So you have to go bring it to this place and they have to make the new tapes and then put them on all the uniforms. Um, it's this whole big ordeal. So just for ease, we decided to keep our last names. And we do get a, a lot of questions about that. They're like, well, are you ever going to take like each other's last names? And we're like, you know, that's kind of like a it's not a requirement for marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's become the heterosexual norm. But even that nowadays, there's men taking women's names, people are combining their names. And so, you know, we were kind of like, we don't need to fall into that if we don't want to. So, right. right. Yeah, it, you know, it, 
You brought up that point about um, lack of knowledge or just not understanding where we're at when it comes to rights and uh, yeah. and for the community. John and I are still astounded by how many people ask us, can you get married in this state? Yeah, and they'll, they'll ask us, you know, what states can you get married in? And we're like, hmm, I thought that the Supreme Court covers the whole land. <laughs> so it just, it, it goes to show that there's just, there still is a dearth of knowledge when it comes to what we have as rights and what we don't have as rights, which I think can sometimes be a detriment to us because people aren't aware of what rights we don't have. So they think right. everything is equal when it's really not. <laughs> Right. And I think one of the things that really pops into my head when you say that is the whole donating blood thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, up until two years ago, a year ago, legally, we, we couldn't, if you had sex with a man, you could not give blood regardless. Right. Right. Now it's if you're celibate for a year, you can give blood. And it's like, I get my blood tested regularly because I'm in the military. Yeah. My blood is no different than anyone else's blood. So like, why is this still a thing? Right. Um, right. You know, and I know that there's push for that. I know Elizabeth Warren, I've seen ads on my Facebook that she's trying to repeal that. And we're getting to that point. But it's like, why is this still even a thing? And there's straight people that don't know that right. I can't give blood. Right. When I bring it up on social media, they're like, wait, what? Exactly. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So. And uh, across the land, there are still thousands of laws on the books that don't address gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender couples. They just refer to them as man and wife or a man and right. woman. And so the, mm -hmm. all of those laws that are still there, there's always this tiptoeing around. In some cases, lawyers need to get involved to tiptoe around those laws, which means that right. it's an extra financial burden on our exactly. community. Mm -hmm. For sure. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. So let's dive into some of the data. I found a 2014 study and you found a 2019 study, neither of which really shed a positive light on uh, <laughs> personal finance in the military in general. Um, yeah, it seems it, like by and large, military individuals and families are, are struggling financially. Yeah, for sure. And actually, we found the same study, which was really funny because it just the 2019 made it show that it hasn't even gotten better. It's gotten worse. Gotten worse, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I saw that, you know, day in and day out. My last kind of job in the Marine Corps, my billet or kind of like my specialty was I was a platoon sergeant. So basically, the best way I can explain that is I had about 60 Marines under me that I took care of every day in regards to making sure that they showed up to work, made sure that they were at their dental, doctors, any type of appointments, made sure that they had their training done, you know, just meeting after meeting with my higher ups every day of just, you know, figuring out who needs what we need to get this done that. And part of that is making sure that their finances are in order. And there's just so many individuals live paycheck to paycheck in the military because they're 
you know, they're 17, 18, 19 year olds, fresh out of high school, you know, only lived with mom and dad. All of a sudden they're making this money. And if they're married, they're getting the stipend for food and housing. And it's more money than they've ever had. And they don't necessarily have ever had any sort of training on what to do with it. And there's a lot of resources offered on bases and through the government, but they're generic. And so they kind of get Mm -hmm. inundated with this generic information that they don't know how to apply to their personal financial situation. So they're like, great, this is cool. I need to save 20% of my paycheck, but like I have all this credit card debt, so I don't know how to do that. Um, Or I have this car that I bought, this used car that has a, you know, 24% interest rate. Um, (laughs) So, you know, they get inundated with all these different offers, especially if you live right outside of the base, there's, it's not necessarily predatory lending, but it's definitely not the most ethical because they know how much they make, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's across the board. They're like, Hey, come when they come, the salesman comes and talk to you, they're going to ask you what rank you are. And they're instantly going to know how much you make, um, how much you can afford, how much you can't afford, but they're going to try to sell you that higher thing to make the more commission. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're talking about auto loans right now, right? Autos. There's also a bunch of furniture places because, Um, you know, these people are moving it's their first time out on their own. They have nothing, you know, so they're like, oh, I'm going to go get this couch and this this dining room set and it's overpriced furniture for what you're getting. But they don't know any better because they don't they don't have that life experience. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen so many young military members stressed out about finances. And it's one of the last things that they should be stressed out about for right. sure. Yeah, John and I were at FinCon. Uh, if you're not familiar with what FinCon is, it's a conference that brings together people who are in the personal finance space, uh, ed- gotcha. educators or podcasters, uh, people in financial media. And we were talking with a woman who is a military spouse last year, I think it was, or maybe it was two years ago. I think not now, I think it was two years ago. And she and her husband were sitting there and they were talking to us about the auto industry, especially the car dealerships that are around the bases and how Mm -hmm. you can basically watch the sticker price on the cars go up anywhere from about eight to $10,000 the week that enlisted men come home. Because Mm -hmm. so many of the, like you were talking about, so many of these young men have been in the military. They go, they were shipped off for uh, their what, you know, wherever they ended up going, they left and they've come back either nine months or a year later. And they have a bunch of money sitting in their account because they've been paid, but they actually haven't been spending. Right. And they say that it's very well known that, but it's, that still happens that you see these, mm-hmm. these young men who are sometimes 18, 19 years old are going and buying 50, 60, $70,000 trucks that mm-hmm. are worth a lot less than what they're being charged, which is amazing to me that one, uh, these uh, car companies, Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, allow this to happen. And mm-hmm. two, that you have these car dealerships who I'm sure will have a gigantic American flag saying that they're very patriotic, but they're stealing <laughs> money from our enlisted well, members. You know, they do have that $500 military discount. Exactly. So they <laughs> well, are helping yeah, that, out. That um, <laughs> <laughs> After it's been um, jacked up. And that's what's um, one of the interesting things is if you, especially here around Jacksonville, if you go, you know, 30, 40 minutes outside, even close to an hour away from the base, you can find the same vehicle, you know, for 
I don't know if I'd say like $10,000 less, but you know, at least a few thousand Mm -hmm. um, because they know that these people are going to pay for it because they don't know. And it's not necessarily that they're, you know, they're just trying to make a profit. I understand that. But at the same time, it's like they're also taking advantage of, you know, military members and the people that are (laughs) fighting for them to be able to do that. So, right. (laughs) So there are two stats from these two studies that stand out that are the most concerning. The first is the 2019 stat that roughly a third of service members say they don't pay all their bills on time. And the other is from the 2014 National Foundation of Credit Counseling survey that said that 77% of service members claim that they have financial worries. And mm-hmm. David and I know from the other studies we participated in that um, you know financial worries can lead to financial stress, which can lead to financial distress and depression and anxiety and all sorts of uh, mental health issues. Um, yeah. And what I'm concerned about is that we have such a large percentage of the military who are already, many of whom are already in high stress situations that then have this additional stress that can make them choose bad decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Do you, do the people in your, I don't know if I'm using the right words, your infantry or within your platoon, do they ever share with you their financial stress and how this is affecting them and other aspects of their lives? Yeah. So it platoon is right. That was correct. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I actually had one of my fellow sergeants, he was trying to, had a child with his girlfriend. They were no longer together. So he has a dependent, but it's a weird situation because usually when you have dependents, you qualify for BAH, the housing assistance. It's called basic allowance for housing. But given his situation, because of the amount of custody that he had of the kids, he didn't qualify. But he was still living with his current girlfriend, trying to not live on base, but not getting the money to help him live off base. And so he got a second job delivering pizza at night to supplement his income. And he was just really stressed out trying to make everything work, still be there for his kids because he would get them, you know, once or twice a month. But he was also trying to put in a package to go down to Paris Island to be a drill instructor. And for any of those specialty billets, you have to do a financial package. You have to show that you are financially stable. And he wasn't. So I helped him kind of figure out where to cut costs. Uh, We looked at different phone providers, different ways that he could, because he refused to go, you know, live in the barracks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand that. I don't like living in the barracks either. So I tried to help him as best as I could to help alleviate that stress so that he could show that he was financially stable to make, you know, be able to do this next part of his career. And then some of the other things that are unique for military members is that because they move around so much is that their spouses are either underemployed or not employed at all. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're still on this uh, 1950s, 60s, you know, post World War II, like the wife's going to stay at home and take care of the house and take care of the kids. And that can cause especially these younger service members that aren't making that much money. And now they have two kids and a wife, and they're the only ones working. It's really stressful, you know, because they're trying to make ends meet, but they really don't have the sort of income to support that. And so you see a lot of kind of marriages crumble because of financial instability and the stress, the added stress from the job itself, plus the financial stress. 
So just a question for you. I uh, appreciate you sharing all that. But a question for you. You said you helped him try to, to stabilize his financial situation. Is that something you just did personally because you wanted to help him? Or is that something that was your responsibility to do because of your position? So it's funny because it's part of the position, but they don't give you any sort of training to do it. Um, <laughs> they just assume that you can. Um, and luckily, you know, I worked at a credit union for seven years before getting into the Marine Corps. I worked in our debt solutions department, which is basically just a fancy word for collections. <laughs> so I knew all about the SCRA, the Civil Member Service uh, Relief Act. And so I could help him kind of cut some of his debt that he had prior to getting in because he did have some consumer debt before he got in. Um, so we were able to knock his interest rates down on one of his credit cards. We got a military discount for his phone bill, which helped save him a little bit of money. Just little things like that, that he had no idea. And I don't think the average platoon sergeant would know. I was just lucky enough that I had had the previous information and knowledge of personal finance before getting into the military. So See, it sounds sounds like you have a passion for this kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why you're on the podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that that brings us my brings me to my next question. Great assist there, husband. Um, so now you uh, work for a former guest of ours, uh, Shannon McClay at the Financial Gym. You have joined her ranks, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Do you mind sharing uh, a little bit about what the Financial Gym is and what your particular role is there? Yeah. So my official title is a certified financial trainer. Um, so I'm not an advisor. I'm not a planner. Um, I don't have any sort of, uh, you know, we're not backed by FINRA. I didn't take any of my series seven or anything like that. What we do is we really just try to help people with their financial literacy on top of, you know, have just a no judgment zone of helping them with their finances. So we take the model of your personal trainer at the gym and put it towards your finances. Mm. Um, so we're, you know, very laid back. We wear jeans and a t-shirt. You can come and sit down with us and talk about your finances in just a nice relaxing sort of way. And we help you reach your goals that you want to uh, achieve. So... Nice. Well, so and now I'm wondering, from your perspective, uh, you came from the credit union space, you've been in the military, you understand what the, the challenges are there, and now you've gotten back into the personal finance space. If the military, most of the military members aren't taking advantage of the financial counseling and, and services that the military does provide, because it's a little bit too, I guess, g generic, what solution do you think would help those in the military? Funny you should ask. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, in my first week of training, contacted Shannon and was like, hey, like, I understand, like, I just started working here. And like, you're the CEO of this company. But I have this idea that I, I want to spin off to you. And I told her how, you know, I think what we do and the product that we offer for our clients would greatly benefit the military and active duty military members, but tailor it to their specific situations because there's a lot of unique financial situations that military members find themselves in compared to their civilian counterparts. And I told her, you know, I was like, I don't know what would be the best time to bring this up, but like, I just need to tell you because I feel like this is very important. And she heard me out and she was like, yeah, do it. <laughs> nice. So wow. I was like, Okay. So I've been working for the last two months on this program completely, 
you know, customizing it for military members and their families. On top of that, creating a separate training for my coworkers who want to be quote unquote military certified trainers. Um, we're going to put them through a two day, I'm calling it a boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> so that they can just understand all of the unique situations. They understand the branches and what their role in the whole Department of Defense and just understand where these military members and families are coming from to better help them with our plans. And we're also deeply discounting our rates based off of their rank because we understand that not everyone makes the same amount. So we base it off of their rank. And so it's something that I'm hoping we're actually launching on Veterans Day. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I'm hoping that it will fill the void and help get these numbers from these surveys to go down and actually see a positive impact in financial lives of the active duty military members. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's really awesome. So where can our listeners, especially those of our listeners who are in the military, find out more about you and this particular program that the Financial Gym's offering? Yeah. So um, I am pretty active on social media, just on my personal Instagram. It's MJ. P-O-U-5-6. But you can also just follow the financial gym as well. I usually, anything that's related to this product, I will be sharing on my story as well. <laughs> but the Instagram for the financial gym, we just hired a social media team. So they're really kind of uh, getting the ball rolling on being active on social media um, or Facebook if you're more on the Facebook side. But those are the two main ones other than just the website. So Nice. And for any of our listeners who want to know more about the Financial Gym, we did interview uh, the founder and CEO, Shannon McClay, on episode 44. So you can always listen to that episode of Queer Money. Mike, thank you so much for joining us and sharing us a little bit of context of what the experience is for a bisexual man in uh, the military, as well as what the financial challenges are for uh, military people. I don't think we've had anybody from the military on our podcast. This is a great uh, perspective for us to have. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Mike, for sharing your story at Insight on Queer Money. Many of our listeners don't fit the heterative norm on which much of the financial system is structured. Understanding your situation and how you managed it will help others manage theirs. To our listeners, here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. Even if you don't fit the heterative norm, talking about your money is just as essential, if not more so, and there are a lot of resources out there to help you talk about money, such as Mike at the Financial Gym. We make the Queer Money podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group. We may answer it in an upcoming episode. Then join us next week when we talk about the difference between Roth and traditional IRAs. They're great resources for financial security in retirement. You won't want to miss it. To learn more about how our sponsor, Capital One, is reimagining their local spaces and experiences to have banking better fit your life, visit www.capitalone.com and follow them on social at Capital One Cafe. Remember, the foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke, is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score Powered by Experium Boost and watch your credit score improve between 5 and 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost.